I'm writing a, a book about the hope of America. In fact, I've been working on it all day today. It's in my spirit. It's called Revival If. Revival If. And in it, I point the way for hope in America. And there's only one hope. There, there are not more hopes. A revival that leads to an awakening, and I intend to be part of it before I go to glory. But you're going to have to be a dreamer and a visionary first. Dreamers and visionaries are not born. Write that down. Put it in, in the comments right now. Put not born. Dreamers and visionaries are not born. What we are having for the last 10 sessions is a master class in the end time language of heaven. It is so very, very often expressed through the medium of spiritual dreams and visions. It is the stock and staple of the spirit realm. It is the commerce and the culture of heaven itself. This passage of scripture, more than any other that I've discovered in all of God's word, plainly describes to us from the oldest book in your Bible, the book of Job, what dreams and visions are all about. Job 33, 14. For God speaks once, yes, twice. That's called the double annunciation of God. Say that. The double annunciation of God. The sweet psalmist of Israel did not just say, my God. He said, my Lord and my God. When God called Saul of Tarsus, he did not just say Saul. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? When Peter was laying at the triclinium receiving the last supper with the Lord Jesus Christ before he was crucified, Jesus did not look across that triclinium at him and say, Simon, no, 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 no. He said, Simon, Simon. There's a double annunciation that means something greater is about to be said. God speaks once. Yes, what? Twice. Look at this. Yet man does not perceive it. Now, he didn't say you would never get it. He said when he speaks, you won't necessarily hear it. Here's why. God never, ever stops talking. He formed the world and all that in it is by the word of his power. He said it and it was so. That's how we know God cannot lie. Because if he says it, he's speaking Dabar. He's not speaking words like you speak. He's not speaking to communicate with another. He's not talking about a thing. He is creating the thing. So if he says light, light has no choice. 
So he can't lie because even if he wanted to say dark instead of light, when he started to say dark, light would come out because he cannot lie and whatever he says is, woman, thou art loosed. She wasn't loosed when he said it, but when he said it, she was because he can't lie. Somebody ought to shout. I got to hurry. Man does not perceive it. Go on. In a dream, how does this speak? Tell me how he speaks. He speaks once, yet twice, and how? In a dream. In a vision. A vision, an open vision, happens in the midst of the day. When the walls disappear and a scene plays out in front of you. What a dream is, is in actuality, night vision. It's not something you had because you ate too many ramen noodles before you went to bed. When deep sleep falls, now I, I, I think I've spent 30 minutes on deep sleep and why you never have dreams and visions. The reason you never have dreams and visions is because you never get into REM sleep. You never get into deep sleep. And the reason you don't get into deep sleep is because you watch CNN or Fox News before you go to bed. Or you get on your phone and you check all your messages and you got that blue light going on which pulsates and will keep you from getting into REM sleep all night. You'll never get there. So put your phone away, turn the television off for at least an hour before you attempt to go to sleep. And when you slide down under those sheets, ask God and tell him, I open myself to the spirit realm. I bind every spirit but the Holy Spirit and the ministering spirits, the holy angels of the kingdom of my God and of his Christ. But I open myself to the Holy Spirit of God to come and speak to me once, yes, twice, to get me into that spiritually suspended state where I can commune and communicate with heaven. Deep sleep falls upon men in slumber on their beds. Continue. Then he, God, opens the ears of men. Then God seals their instruction. Well, I don't know what to do. What should I do? I'm so confused. I thought he loved me. God told you in 42 dreams that he didn't love you. He lusts you. Why is it quiet? I watch y'all in chapel. You jump and scream and run and shout. Why are you so quiet now? God told you in 14 dreams, none of the which you heard. He seals their instruction. I refuse to ever say, I don't know what to do, ever. 
Have you ever heard me say, you've been working beside me for 38 years. Have you ever heard me say, I don't know what to do? How would I not know what to do? I am connected. I have a direct connection with heaven. Quit running around. I don't know what to do. You won't know what to do the next time I see you unless somebody takes you by the hand and shows you 42 times because you weren't listening the first time. If you don't listen to God's man, you don't listen to God. Oh, it's quiet up in this Presbyterian church. I can hear folks shouting online. Then God opens the ears of men. Shout, open my ears. Then God seals their instruction. Shout, he seals my instruction. So that God, this is so powerful. So that God might turn man aside from his conduct. You know why you get in the mess you get into? Because you don't have dreams and visions. Now, when I say that, what I'm actually talking about is you're more alive in your body and soul than you are in your spirit. Because you consistently and constantly feed your mind and your body. If you don't believe that, try a 40-day fast. Or four hours. Four days. See how loud your body will recoil against what God wants to do in your spirit. You must be spiritually minded. And remember this, it's not all about you. But God has difficulty getting us straight so that we can be a benefit to anybody else. How can you cast out devils when you allow them to entertain you? I don't know why it's so quiet, man. If I was preaching this at Dominion Camp Meeting, they'd be ripping the pews up. There are two kinds of people on earth, saved, damned. Watch, watch, watch. God's, Satan's. You say, well, no, 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 wait a minute. I know all you blessed millennials in your gray area. Nothing is black or white. Nothing is absolute. Nothing is positive. Everything is 50 shades of gray. Because we have no absolutes, we are consistently bewildered. We don't know what to do. Is it right? Is it wrong? I know a whole lot of preachers that say it's all right for a man to be with a man. The, the issue is, there ain't none of them in the Bible. That's the issue. The issue is you've got an issue and you don't want to deal with your issue because your flesh 
is stronger than your spirit. Why are you hungering and thirsting after flesh? Ooh, good God. Good thing I got a bed out here. God wants to turn you away from your conduct. People say these things all the time. They say, Dr. Lowe, they say, aren't you tempted to get drunk? Why? I can't miss what I've never had. Write this down and don't ever forget it. Temptation, when habitually kept at a distance, ceases to exist. So if you tell me you have a lust problem, it's because you are going around lust. I love how you're writing this down. Hallelujah. Verse 18, he keeps back. I got to hurry. He keeps, I started not to even quote this. He keeps back his soul from hell. How? Spiritual dreams and visions. When? When you are in REM sleep. When you are in deep sleep, abiding in the presence of the Holy Spirit, with your room filled up with angels instead of demons. And his life from perishing by the sword. Those are attacks. Those are attacks. Acts chapter 2, verse 17, In the last days it shall be, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I got an older body and a young spirit, so I get both. Psalm 127, out of the Message Bible, listen to this. God gives blessings to his beloved even in his sleep. You ought to wake up every morning so blessed that you have to dance when your little naked feet hit the ground. What a revelation that is. What a reality. What, what a truth. Can I shout to you? What an expectation. What a thought. What a joy. What a hope that you and I can experience the unrivaled voice of heaven through spiritual dreams and visions. Say, that's how I'm supposed to live. Husbands and wives should get up every morning and say, what did they say to you? You see how far away from living in the Spirit we are? Elder, uh, the great apostle lay his head down on a rock on the ground he had no beauty rest he he had no uh, what is that thing moves in every direction bed he didn't have one of those he didn't have an air conditioner he didn't have anything to protect him from the wild beasts but like daniel in the den of lions 
He lay his head in the shaggy mane of the lion and slept like a baby all night long. He knew his God was able. I wish I had time to preach, but I don't. Throughout history, visionaries, dreamers, shout, that's me, whose destinies should have been sealed by defeat and discouragement, have confounded their critics, astonished their adversaries, and flabbergasted their family and friends as they stood valiantly in the victory, forged in the crucible of conflict originally designed to affect their ultimate demise. Say, I was built for this battle. I was created for this conflict. Held in high esteem only among the eccentric, the excommunicated, and the extreme, these exiles of society, hope against hope, they believe beyond belief, they refuse to flinch in the face of adversity in order to dream their dreams and experience the victory of their visions. Such noble, mm, stargazing enthusiasts. Such prophetic seers are not born. They're built by their battles. They're formed by their failures. They're promoted by those who aimed to persecute them. They bring substance to shadow, dawning to darkness. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the true measure of the stature of such a man or woman is not how they stand in times of comfort and convenience, but are they still standing in times of challenge and controversy? I, I, I can hear an old friend of mine, his name is Gordon Jensen. I, I, I quoted a little bit of one of his songs to you a moment ago. Let me do it again. Anyone can sing a tune on a clear day at noon. God, give me a song to sing at midnight when trouble all around is closing in. If I ever need a song, dear Lord, it's then. From the jail cell it rang. It was Paul and Silas as they sang. Heaven couldn't help but hear their song. After all they had been through, they were faithful. They were true. And right away the Lord sent help along. Lord, give me a song to sing at midnight when trouble all around is closing in. Lord, give me a song to sing at midnight. If I ever need a song, dear Lord, it's there. The apostle Peter himself would not, he, he could not, he dare not be denied his dream, though he faced fierce, overwhelming pressure. Say this, well, it's just the pressure. I'm under so much pressure. From who? Pressure. What would we do tonight if we had to live our faith in Pakistan? What if you were in Afghanistan and the Taliban was knocking on your door with American automatic weapons and night vision goggles because they heard you name the name of Christ? Would you be like 
my dear friend Cassie Bernal, now in heaven. Some of you don't even know who she is. Some of you have never even heard of the Columbine High School Massacre where Dylan Klebold walked up to her and with a shotgun pointed in her nose at 16 years of age said, are you one of those Christians? She said yes and immediately went to heaven. Would you? Could you? It's not all about how you dance, you know. It's not about your memorized shout, your taught tongue, and your learned dance. It's about your core. It's about your inner man. It's about spiritual strength from another world because you've had an experience with the Holy Ghost that did for you what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. You know in whom you have believed. You're persuaded that he is able to keep that which you've committed unto him against that day. True believers, revenant people. I didn't say relevant, I said revenant. Revenant, back from the dead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. This isn't an added social event. This is the reality. Well, they offended me. They're probably offended that you're offended. Do you know what we've done that blocks revival? Would you like me to tell you? Come back next Wednesday. Would you like me to tell you what we've done that stops revival? We've replaced that convicts me with that offends me. Well, I think I'll just go on. Perhaps some of you, like the Apostle Peter, have had a difficult year. Uh, maybe you've wavered, maybe you've wobbled through the intense pressures of the past year with its pandemic and its resultant divisive politics and its family issues and all of the social upheaval and all of the violent unrest. The mixed signals coming to you every day from all of your authority figures. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Wear two masks get vaccinated, don't need a mask, don't get vaccinated, you're killing the world. Confusing you about everything from vaccines to variants. Let me help you. I know a name above every name. That self-same Peter, (laughs) 
who persisted to preach the first evangelistic crusade of the infant church saw 3,000 men born again in the altar call. Why? Because he refused to allow his prophetic dream to drown in the dark and destitute waters of his own personal despair. It's not all about you. The incomparable Apostle Paul suffered shipwreck, snake bite, stoned, left for dead, and still received such prophetic vision that he's credited with writing over two-thirds of the New Testament I preach from tonight. John the Beloved, boiled in blistering oil three times and refused to die. Banished 50 miles off the coast of Ephesus on the island of Patmos with nothing but the wild beasts for company. But he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and elder, he didn't even have a B3 organ. He didn't have a camera, he didn't have a drum kit. He didn't have a screaming guitar and a vocalist from Nashville. But somehow, he got in the spirit on the Lord's day. Perhaps he was like David. Perhaps he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. If you gotta have somebody to encourage you, you are an infant believer. But I'm just so discouraged. Then encourage yourself. How will I do that? Well, I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am so precious to God that he sent his only begotten son to die on Calvary's angry, angry mean, biting beam. He washed me of my sins. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. I am endued with power from on high. I operate in the supernatural. I speak with other tongues. I speak with the tongues of men and angels. I prophesy. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I have been resurrected. In that sad and deplorable place, the prison of Patmos, John received the greatest heavenly vision of Jesus Christ ever given before or since to any mortal man. It pays to persevere. The Lord Jesus himself, look at him. He's a rejected, ridiculed son of a carpenter from the filthy, backwater province on the far edge of the vast Roman Empire. He's nothing. He's of no royalty. Rome takes no notice of him. Kicked and prodded, beaten, whipped, bruised, through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem like some common animal. 
The ring of the hammer is heard, pounding upon four-inch iron spikes, driven through tortured flesh into splintered wood, buried in a borrowed tomb. You ever hear folks support? They couldn't even get buried. Well, that was Jesus. No place to lay his head wasn't talking about where he went to bed at night. It was when that bruised and battered and beaten, swollen to the size of a bucket, head, slumped, and he gave up the ghost. No place to lay his head. Joseph of Arimathea went and God gave him a tomb. I mean, that's kind of an insult of insults. You got to borrow a tomb and the thing's not even big enough for you. You got to carve a place for his nail-pierced feet that walked on the water and commanded the wave. You talk about people stuck in yesterday. I was complaining a little bit to the Lord the other day. I, I thought I was praying. And, and he kind of tapped me on the shoulder. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I want to say that's rather insulting. I'm praying and I'm pretty good at it. I said, I'm praying. He said, no, you're not. You're complaining. Now, if he talks that way to me, wonder how he talks to you. You're complaining. Why are you looking at something that was? You have no ability to change your past. I'm telling you what he told me. And he said, now get up from whining and go create your future. I'm preaching better than anybody's typing tonight, I promise you that. But on the third day, he was resurrected from the dead, lifted hell's gates off their rusty hinges, flung them over to one side, waded through the ashes of bygone millenniums of time, grabbed the devil by the nap of the neck, cast him off his imperial throne, put one foot on devils, the other on the crumbling, failing empire called death, raised his hands to the Father and said, I am Alpha, I am Omega, I am he that was and is and is to come. 
No, 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 no. Dear friend, dreamers and visionaries are not born. They're most often forged in the fire of adversity. Let me pause just for a moment because in my spirit I just was transported back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had preached the night before in the, in the maybe center on the Oral Roberts University to 8,000 pastors. Uh, I was 24 years old. Every preacher that you could ever name was on the front three rows. And they're listening to a 24-year-old. The next day, they had just constructed, in fact, it wasn't totally finished, the great uh, city of faith hospitals, twin towers, the most magnificent things you've ever seen. They had praying hands that were 10 stories tall. I was walking around out there. At that time, the largest student body, Christian university in the world. Liberty University is bigger now, but at that time, Oral Roberts University was it. And I'm walking through that parking lot. I wasn't alone. I'm never alone. How do you think I pastored? From 1977 to 1986. and never was accused one time of being where I shouldn't have been, with who I shouldn't have been with, doing anything I shouldn't have done. Here's why I wasn't accused. Because I wasn't. Mocked and ridiculed. My mother drove me when I went to preach over a hundred nights a year before God blessed me with an airplane in a Lincoln Continental, midnight blue. I'd make a bed in that front seat and she'd drive me all through the night because nobody is gonna accuse me. I got too much at stake. I carry the living reality of God's word. People go to heaven or hell based on my words. I didn't come to entertain people and capture a crowd. You know how not to get accused of doing something in a car? Take your mother with you. Well, Pastor, 
You traveled 150 nights a year. You traveled with me a lot. Did you ever see me alone? I carry a precious anointing. You think some girl can compete with that? You obviously ain't ever had that. Come on. Come on. Sell out. There's such a beautiful young woman and I mean she's beautiful by anybody's estimation she ended up with Pastor Sam's I I shake my head no I don't no I don't at all they stood in front of me and I don't know 17 rabbis for their wedding and she went to preach it And she told them that she had never kissed a man till she married him and kissed him at the altar. Well, she carries something precious. It all depends if God speaks to you in the midnight hour. If you've quieted your mind and quieted your spirit and opened yourself up to God, he'll direct your paths. You won't even hear it. You'll just find yourself turning. Because when you were in deep sleep, He forged you in the fires of adversity. I want you to learn by example. Howard Carter, Smith Wigglesworth. Brother Summerall went to Wigglesworth's home in London. I've been there. I'm a carrier of a Holy Ghost contagion. Looks like you'd get close enough to catch it. Brother Sumrall put his newspaper under his arm, had his little briefcase with his Bible, a little bolder hat on, as English folks would do. He had his umbrella placed across his arm. And he walked up to Wigglesworth's home and knocked on the door. Brother Wigglesworth opened the door, who raised seven people from the dead, documented by secular media. Grabbed men out of caskets, shoved them up against a wall and said, live. Then he let go of them, and they fell on the floor like a cord of wood. That's when you'd quit. That's when you'd go home. God must not have called me. 
If you're wondering, he didn't. Boy, I'm just on fire tonight. He shot that man up against the wall and said, live. All his family standing there. He fell on the floor. So Brother Wigglesworth picked him up again, shoved him against the wall. Same thing. By now the family's getting agitated. Wouldn't you? Third time. I told you once, I've told you twice. I shall not tell you again. Now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, live! The man coughed, opened his eyes, and said, what am I doing here? And walked out. Why do you get to be a person like that? Dr. Norval Hayes, when I was in my early 20s, one of the greatest men of faith I've ever known, looked at me and said, you can have all of God you're willing to pay for and no more. Salvation is free. Everything else in the kingdom will cost you something. It will cost you everything. Your pride your comfort, your way, your will, your desires, your plans for his plans, for his dreams, for his visions. This was not my vision. Are you flipping kidding me? It's only fools. God's going to give me 10,000. You couldn't pastor 200. Brother Sumrall knocked on his door and said, Brother Wigglesworth opened the door. Good day, Brother Sumrall. Bowing is the language of humility. Good day, Brother Wigglesworth. Good day, Brother Sumrall. Not Lester. Not how you doing, bro? People have no respect. They have no honor. They have no dignity. They don't know how to carry themselves. They don't know which fork to use. God's going to sit me before kings. You'd be an embarrassment. Brother Wigglesworth said, What's that under your arm? Brother Sumrall said, it's the London Daily News. Brother Wigglesworth replied, leave that on the step. 
I don't permit any news but the gospel news in my home. He took Brother Sumrall by the arm and led him into a little room where there were two little chairs and his Bible. He said, have a seat, Brother Sumrall. It is my custom to read God's Word for 30 minutes. So in silence, they both read that book. Didn't listen to it. They read it. Then Brother Wigglesworth slid off his chair and said, Next it is my custom to pray for 30 minutes. So they got on their knees and they prayed. At the end of 30 minutes, he rose from the floor, sat back on his chair, and said, We will now read for another 30 minutes. And so they did until noon, at which time Brother Wigglesworth said, closed his Bible and said, now it is my custom to have my tea. So they had their tea. Do you know who founded the Methodist church, which was one of the greatest revivals and awakening ever known? Do you know who? His name was John Wesley. John Wesley and his brother Charles founded the Methodist Church. Have you ever wondered about the name Methodist? Those of method. Those of discipline. Those who did the same thing, the same way, every time, until they got it. He said, don't bring that in here. Think of that. Think of that. You know what modern preachers say? Have you seen Thus and So movie? Oh, yeah. Well, it has nudity in it. All little flesh never hurt anybody. I had a preacher, well-respected, said that to me on my Gulfstream 3 airplane. I wanted to throw him out the window. Don't sell out. There's so much more for you. Don't you have prayers that need answered? God doesn't want to take anything away from you. He wants to increase you. Let you become a creature of the supernatural power of God to cast out devils, speak with new tongues, lay hands on the sick and watch them recover instead of hoping they might so you could build your ministry. I had another preacher one time tell me, he said, well, 
If God had ever given me a miracle like some of the miracles he's given you, my ministry would grow too. I said, that's your problem. It's your ministry. He's not in the habit of growing your ministry. But oh, when you get surrendered, when you say, here am I, though none go with me, I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've made up my mind. I won't turn back. I won't turn back. How come nobody sings songs like that anymore? Oh, Jesus, lover. It's disgusting. Lift your hands right there where you are. Lift your hands right there where you are. Come, Lord Jesus. Come in your strength. Come in your power. Fill us with the desire to want to be what you want us to be. Father, we crucify our flesh. Resurrect us in your power. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth now as in heaven for your glory may we leave the 99 not only the 99 other people the 99 distractions the 99 time wasters the 99 spirit disruptors the 99 fleshly desires. May we lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting for your glory. Amen. 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 Shout yes. if you believe him to do it. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.